0: I hope you have a Bible. I want you to turn with me to Judges chapter 21, the last verse in the book of Judges. If you are a giddy type person and you would like to get the giddiness out of you, I recommend you read the book of Judges. It will discourage you, Uh, it will not really encourage you a whole lot to see how uh, rebellious people just don't ever seem to learn their lesson. Now that is kind of the story of Judges. God is always willing to deliver, to fix, to mend, and yet as soon as man gets out of trouble, it seems like as soon as he gets, as soon as the sun comes out, so to speak, and the clouds roll away, he goes right back into bringing problems upon himself. This is the world in which we live. I've entitled us today, Some Truth About Truth." And in Judges chapter 21 and verse 25, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. This is a tragic commentary because we know the history of the nation of Israel. And not only that, folks, but let's expand this out because it speaks to the days in which we live. When a society decides that it does not want the truth of God, it will eventually find itself in chaos and misery. The America we're growing up or the America we're living in today, hopefully some of us are grown up, the America we're living in today hardly resembles the America of many of our childhoods. A time when you were encouraged, you, were, you could believe those in leadership who were leading the country. You could find unity even among people who differed on things. There was a civility there. And there was a care for one another. And there were proper morals. And all those things, if you were to say, why was America so great? It was because of the foundation of our nation. It was because we had a a Judeo-Christian ethical system built on the Old and New Testament. This is why our nation has been blessed the way it has been. But of course, that is being undermined today, as it is worldwide. People are wanting to reject the word of truth. And again, when society decides it does not want the truth of God, it will find itself in chaos. It will find itself in misery. It will find itself in sorrow. Let me say this today. For those of you who may have a, a dim view of Christianity, who you think, well, you know what? This is some archaic fear-based religious system that is just a bunch of superstition and it's really not that way and this is really not what happens i i want you to know folks look around you and look at our country the one thing you see very easily when you look at our country is our nation has tried to leave behind its roots Is our nation better off today than it has been in the past? The answer to that is a resounding no, it is not better off today. And the reason is exactly that, because we have forsaken the truth. Well, what is truth? Well, that's what we're looking at today. See, the problems that we have today don't go away when you reject God. They only worsen. This can easily be tracked down through world history, by the way, not just in our country. Only God can bring a positive, lasting order to society. Rebellion always brings trouble. Let me say that again. Rebellion always brings trouble. If you doubt that, you haven't been paying attention to what's been going on in our country the last few years. Rebellion results in anarchy. And when anarchy rules the day, people will die. Okay? It's as sure as can be. When rebellion rules the day and anarchy comes in, people will die. You look at the example of the riots in many of our major U.S. cities over the past couple of years. Think of what even were in Minnesota. Think of what took place in Minneapolis not long ago, okay? Insanity, chaos, anarchy, rebellion, murder, theft, everything that goes with it. And so they think the answer to that is get rid of the police. (laughs) Well, you know, if these anarchists and rebels could do a good job of governing, well, maybe you have a better system. The truth of it is you don't. Now, you might say, well, how could things get so out of control? It's not complicated. If we believe what God says, which is the truth, we'll get to that. If we believe what God says and then act upon it, it brings order. It brings peace. The weekly death tolls, think of that in Chicago. This year, this year in Chicago, okay, and these are dated statistics at this point, but in the first six months of this year in the city of Chicago, there have been at least 336 homicides. One city between 300 and 400, 300, 350 homicides. Senseless murders in the city of just Chicago itself. Does that sound to you like what we're doing in America is working? No, it's not working. It's not working. In modern times, many have bought into the idea that everything is relative. I'm sure you've heard it. The whole concept of situation ethics. Well, the the ends justifies the means, and everything is relative. and, And you hear this, well, what's true for you may not be true for me. You hear that on the college campuses a lot, this idea of everything is relative. And well, that's your truth, but it isn't necessarily my truth. Well, I got a question. Who decides what's right? Who decides that? Who decides, is there a right and a wrong? The world more and more is saying, no, there is no right or wrong, okay? Now, I want you to think about that. If there is no right or wrong then why can't you do literally, literally whatever you want then? And that should be fine with everybody. See this idea of everything being relative? It sounds philosophical. It may sound intelligent on the surface. But the truth of it is this. When it comes to the facts, this kind of thinking is irrational. It makes no sense whatsoever. Things being relative may sound good on the surface so that you can get along better with somebody because you don't have conflict, but it's only a matter of time before you do have conflict. It's going to break down. Truth can't be determined by your opinion because everyone has their own opinion. And so you may be very strong in your opinion, but you know what? If there's somebody else very strong in their opinion, and their opinion happens to contradict your opinion, what you have is not peace. You have conflict. Why? Because no one can decide on what is true. What does this do? You know what it does? It makes man his own God. That's what it does. And when man is his own God, trouble follows. One source said this, to make the statement that there is no absolute truth is illogical. Yet today, many people are embracing a cultural relativism that denies any type of absolute truth. A good question to ask people who say there is no absolute truth is this, are you absolutely sure of that? If they say yes, they have made an absolute statement which in itself implies the existence of absolutes. (laughs) Do you get it? They are saying that the very fact that there is no absolute truth is the one and only absolute truth. Well, if you have an absolute truth, then there are such things as absolute truths. I hope you see this. How about some examples of this? Here's the problem with it, folks. Let's say for an example... um, you're asleep one night, you and your family, you're in your home and somebody breaks into your house and they kill your children and they kill your wife before your very eyes. And the reason they, they get arrested, but the very reason they give for doing it is because they wanted to do it. They thought it was the right thing for them to do. And so that's what they did. Is that wrong? Is it wrong? might say it's absolutely wrong or it's it's wrong based on whose opinion the guy who broke in he thought he should do it he wanted to do it he was driven to do it and he might say who are you to tell me it was the wrong thing to do now you might say oh come on pastor people aren't that extreme yes they are how about molesting a child is that right or wrong? You know, at the fair every year, we have the survey. Do you believe that there is a right and a wrong? It's so funny, the answers you get. Now, most of the people say yes. Most of the people say yes. Thank God for that. But a lot of people say this. (laughs) Well, it depends. Wait a minute. Depends on what? See, I like to make it personal. When I talk to somebody and say, there are no absolutes, I like to make it personal. Imagine, friend, if you were home and this happened to you. Somebody broke in, they killed your family right in front of your eyes. Is that okay to do? Well, no, it's not okay. Is it right or wrong? Well, it's wrong. Well, wait a minute. You told me there are no absolutes. There is no right and wrong. What do you mean it's wrong? Well, it's wrong. How do you know it's wrong? You know what I had one man tell me several years ago? He said this. Because I asked him this. Who determines what's right and wrong? Based on what you're saying, who determines what's right or wrong? Here's what he told me. It was chilling. Society determines that. Friend, you don't have to go too far back in history to see what happens when society or a government or whoever has the most power, such as a dictator, determines that it is okay to murder in cold blood millions of people simply because of their ethnic heritage. But if everything's relative, if, well, I think that would be wrong, but my truth isn't necessarily your truth. Let me tell you something. If it happened to your family, you would think it was wrong. See, it's foolishness. It's silly. It's ridiculous to have that kind of a mentality. See, here's the truth of it. Well, what about this? Oh, I believe everything is relative. There is no right or wrong. How about this? How about uh, something simple such as um, running stop signs and red lights? By the way, have you noticed how people in St. Cloud more and more are running stop signs and red lights? Not so much red lights yet, thank God. That's happening. We see it. We've all seen it. But stop signs? I don't know who came along and defined stop signs as yield signs. But to my knowledge, yield signs are still triangular in shape and are yellow, and stop signs are still octagons and are red. You might say, why is that happening? All of this stuff filters down. That's why it's happening. There is no right or wrong. That means there is no law of right or wrong That means everybody does what they think is right in their own eyes. See, a majority vote does not determine what is truth and what is not. Because majority vote, that can be manipulated, and it is manipulated many times today. And you end up with that which is completely ungodly. Let me give you another example, abortion. You know, people say today, how many times I've heard people say, well, it's legal, What does that mean? Who's the standard? Now, I know how our country is set up. You know, we've got the Supreme Court. But folks, the Supreme Court is made up of mortal men. The Supreme Court is supposed to have a foundation that it makes its judgments upon. That's called the Constitution of the United States. But see, the problem with that is then how they interpret it because the Constitution of the United States was formed and crafted based on the principles found in this book on the absolutes of Scripture. That's why we've lasted so long as a nation. Turn with me to John chapter 18. But when you have people who do not respect that which is true... And instead decide they are going to define that as they go, okay, they're going to make it up as they go, or they're going to be the loudest, or the most charismatic, or they have the most money, or they have the most lawyers, and therefore they manipulate society and people's thinkings, sometimes simply by nothing more than peer pressure. Brian, you know this on a college campus, how much is determined by peer pressure, the faith of students being undermined by professors who act like they know what they're talking about, but they're in error on what they're saying, but yet because of their prestige and because of their abilities to persuade, they get students believing what they say, and then those who object to what's being said are marginalized or ostracized and beat down and pressured And avoided and shunned because they don't go along with the air. This is where we're at today. John chapter 18, we have an interesting record here. Here's Jesus in front of Pilate. God in the flesh in front of Pilate. And it says in John 18, 33, "...then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, "'Art thou the king of the Jews?' Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. Now look at what Jesus says that I should bear witness unto the truth. There is truth. There is absolute truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. Look at that. What is truth? Pilate, I'll tell you what the truth is. You're looking him right in the face, right in the face. So let's look at this this morning. What is truth, okay? Let me say this. Opinion is not necessarily true. I can remember uh, growing up a popular program when I was a teenager that was on television was the Phil Donahue Show. Any of you remember the Phil Donahue Show? And as even a lost person, something struck me that was not, I just knew something was wrong with this. Here's what would happen. He'd have all these controversial guests on his program, and they would be on, and they would give their opinion. And many times, you know, the more outrageous their opinion was, and it was to get a reaction from the live audience that was there. And so things would build, and things would build, and then, you know, he'd, he'd run around with a mic, and he'd get their opinion, and this opinion, and all that. And then things are heated, heated, heated. And then somebody says something, and everybody erupts. You know, like, yeah, that needed to be said, or, or this or that. And, and just watching that, it's like, okay, is this how we determine truth by mob rule? By mob opinion, is this, is this how we influence society because of mob opinion? There's got to be something deeper than that. What is truth? You know what a dictionary says? It's a pretty good de- definition, secular dictionary. Truth, the quality or state of being true. That which is true or in accordance with fact or reality. Isn't that interesting? That which is in accordance with fact or reality. That which is factual. The opposite of truth is dishonesty and falsity. Both of those definitions are from secular dictionaries. With that in mind... Here's what it comes down to, folks. There has to be a standard to determine what truth is. And the answer to that is there is a standard. And where do we find it? Okay, let's continue on. Number two is this. We find it, number one, we find it in the Word of God. The Word of God is the truth. Now, if you hesitate to believe that, it is because you have not investigated it. People hate to hear that. Oh, you're not talking about the Bible, are you? Come on. Have you investigated it? Well, yeah, no. What have you done to investigate it? What have you done? Have you really investigated it? Or have you just succumbed to peer pressure and those who come across to you as intelligent and you simply believed what they've said? Have you really investigated it. If you hesitate to believe that God's Word is truth, it is because you haven't investigated it. Any true skeptic will not remain a skeptic for long. The Bible is true historically. The Bible is true scientifically. The Bible is true prophetically. The Bible is true personally. And by the way, personally is last. And why do I say it's last? Because you can know it's true personally because the other ones before it are absolutely true. Our faith and us believing the Bible is the word of truth is not based on simply wishful thinking or the way we were raised. It is based on actual facts. Remember what is truth? It is that which is true in accordance with fact or reality. This book is true in accordance with fact Or reality. You can investigate it, you can study it, you can look into it. Don't take what other people say about it who don't believe it. Investigate it on your own, truly, and you will find it to be true. The more people try to prove the Bible is false, the more foolish they look as time goes on. God gives us, though, some clear statements about itself. I want you to look at this. Look with me to John chapter seventeen. Pilate, what is truth? What a pathetic statement that was as he was looking the truth in the face. By the way, wasn't it interesting when Pilate wanted to let Jesus off? What did the people do? They tried to intimidate Pilate into changing his mind. And he says, they basically said, if you let him off, you're not Caesar's friend. Whoa, listen, if I've got to pay for this, I better just let them have their way. Isn't that exactly what's going on today? People change other people's opinions or directions because of intimidation. We've seen that so much in the last 10 years in our country with the cancel culture concept. John seventeen seventeen, Jesus said this. He was praying to the Father, and he said this, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Here you go, folks. This is the truth this book. I say, I don't believe that. You haven't investigated it. I've been studying it in detail the vast majority of my life. And I'm telling you, this word is true. The more I study it, the more sure I am. I was just thinking this morning about this. Why is this no longer even a debate in my mind, even a question in my mind? I'll tell you why. It's because I have tested it. I have investigated it. I've looked at it. I've not only read it, I believe it for myself. I've seen what it does in people's lives. This is not wishful thinking. I've given my life to this. Why? Because I know it to be true. And it is. And Jesus said it is. Psalm 119. The psalmist says this. This is Old Testament. Psalm 119, verse 160. Thy word is true from the beginning and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. What does that mean? Thy word is true from the beginning, from the beginning of the word, from the beginning of the scriptures is what he's saying. In other words, from Genesis 1, 1, the word of God is true. You can believe it all. What about Noah and the ark? You can believe it. What about the flood? You can believe it. And as time goes on, it's, it's being proven by those who honestly investigate it, folks. This is not wishful thinking. This is a fact. The Word of God is true. Creation, not evolution. Evidence of creation everywhere you look. It's a matter of, are you open to reality and the facts? Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. People say, well, you know, you guys say the Bible was, that God is the author of the Bible. Well, I don't, I don't believe that. Maybe good men wrote the Bible, but man wrote the Bible. God didn't write the Bible, okay? Well, one source said this, the Bible was written either by good men, bad men, or God. You have three choices. It's either good men, bad men, or God. If good men wrote the Bible and then claimed it was written by the inspiration of God, they would be liars, and liars are not good men. They would be deceivers, and good men don't purposely deceive people. If they do, they're not good men. So it wasn't written by good men. When I say written, I'm talking about authored. If bad men authored the Bible, they would be condemning themselves because the Bible condemns sin. Bad men tend to justify themselves, not condemn themselves. But the Bible never justifies sin. Bad men couldn't have written the Bible because the Bible is a good book. The Bible condemns sin, and bad men would not condemn themselves. Well, it wasn't done by good men. It wasn't done by bad men. And so who's left Since neither good men nor bad men wrote the Bible, the only person left is God. And God is the one who gave us the Bible, and it is a masterpiece of his handiwork. It is a masterpiece. It is my privilege to teach and preach this because it is in fact the word of God. I believe it with all my heart, from Genesis all the way through Revelation. I even believe the cover where it says, Holy Bible. This is the word of God. I have full confidence in it. And my confidence only grows as the years go on. When people disagree or they mock our faith or my faith, you don't really believe that. Do I get hot and sweaty? Do I feel rejection? No, I don't feel rejection. I feel sorrow. I feel sorrow for them, not me, because I know it to be true. And it's only a matter of time before they will know it to be true, hopefully before they die. Jeremiah ten twenty three, it says, O oh Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. And yet, what does man do? Man does not want to listen to God. He says, No, I will do my own thing. I will live my own life. I will make my own choices. I think this is right because everything is relative. There is no right or wrong, even though God says there absolutely is. And you will sow, or you will reap what you've sown. Man says, well, I don't believe that. I'm the exception. You're not the exception. And you will, in fact, prove out the word of God even more that it's true because of the direction your life and your eternity will show. It is not in man to direct the steps. I say, well, man doesn't need the Bible to direct the steps, to have good society and all that. Oh, yeah, look around you. How's that working for you? Not very good. Not very good. Turn with me to John chapter 8. Jesus, and probably this is probably the most heated chapter in all of the Bible with the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, dealing with unbelieving religious leaders... They're hurling many accusations to him. He continues to stand on the truth of his word. He continues to proclaim the truth to them. He is the living word of God, proclaiming to them the written word of God. And it says in John 8, 31, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word... Then are you my disciples indeed. Here's where I want the focus here. Look at it, folks. This is what we need to hear today. And ye shall know the truth. Truth. There is truth. It's the Word of God. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Inner freedom comes from knowing the truth of God and, and, and following what the Word of God says. That will produce inner freedom in a person. That will give you peace. That'll give you love. Good things will come from that. Yet we have man doing all he can to deny that to be true. In fact, he's only killing himself by his rejection. So what have we seen so far? We've seen, we've seen number one, we've defined what truth is. Secondly, we've seen that the word of God is truth. Third, brings us to number three is this, Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. The uniqueness of Christianity is that it is God, now listen carefully, what makes true Christianity different than any other quote-unquote religion in the world? They're not all the same. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Well, all religions are essentially the same. Well, I would agree religions are, but Christianity is not really a religion. Because religion, the very nature of the word religion, it is man trying to bind himself back to God. That's not Christianity. The uniqueness of Christianity is that it is God reaching down to man in grace. Not man trying to reach God. It's God trying to reach man. It's because of his kindness and love. That's Christianity. We don't get to heaven by good works, but through what Jesus did on the cross, he did the work for us. That is completely different than any world religion. All the religions of the world are based on man doing good works to try to bind himself back to God. God says this, "'Your good works are of no value to bind you back to me. I will provide for you the way of salvation.'" And that's what he did through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You're in the Gospel of John, chapter 8. Turn a few pages over to your right to chapter 14. The boldness of the statements in Scripture. You notice when Jesus had his conflicts with the Pharisees and the religious teachers of the day, and they said, well, you're this and you're this. He didn't say, hey, guys, no worries. Everything's relative. Your truth is not necessarily my truth. <laughs> it's not what he said. He says, unless you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. That's what he said. Here in John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. John fourteen six. there are four absolute truths in John 14. 146 They're non-negotiable. Listen, Jesus was either telling the truth or he's a fraud. He is the way, not a way. He is the truth, not a truth. Anything that is contrary to him is false. He is the life, only in him is life, not a life, not a way, he is the life. And then the absolute statement, no one comes to the father but by him. No one. Think about the power of that statement. See, this sets Christianity apart. You're in John. Look with me to chapter 1 in verse 14. It says, And the word became flesh, the word referring to Jesus, God in the flesh, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth. Everything that ever came out of the mouth of Jesus was true. He never said anything that was inaccurate or that was false. And when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me, those are four absolutely true statement. So there is absolute truth. Folks, do you see how demonic and wicked it is to tell people that everything is relative and there isn't any absolute truth? If you believe there's no absolute truth, that closes off heaven to you because you have to believe that Jesus is the only way. Let me explain this to you. I talked about the difference between true Christianity and religion. Look up here. This hand representing you and me and my wallet representing our sin. Here we are. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. God loves us. He hates our sin. According to the Bible, our sin separates us from the Lord. You cannot get to heaven with even one sin. You have to be sinless. And yet none of us are. That being true, therefore none of us can get into heaven as we see it at this point. God says our sin has to be paid for. The Bible says if we do it, we're going to spend forever separated from God in hell. God doesn't want that for any of us. Now, religion comes along and says, the way you take care of your sin problem is by doing good works. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Verse 9 says, not of works, lest any man should boast. Look at it. Not of works, You're saved by grace through faith. Grace is God's unmerited favor through faith. Faith in what? Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift. It's not of works. Look at it. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift. It's not of works. This is what God says. Religion says, oh no, it's... Going to church, being baptized, keeping ordinances, keeping sacraments, giving money, forsaking sin, trying harder, doing this, doing that. God says, no, it's of none of those things. It's not of works. See, there's nothing we could do to save ourselves because God requires perfection and none of us are perfect. And that's why he sent his son, God who took on flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Jesus went to the cross, He had no sin of his own, therefore qualified to die as our substitute. And he died on the cross and that sin we've done or ever will do wrong till the day we die. He took all of our sin upon himself and he made the payment, leaving us nothing to pay for, nothing. He died, was buried, he rose from the grave. And he says, if you will believe or put your faith in him that he did that for you, he will save you forever by his grace. It's a free gift It's not based on what you do, it's based on what he did for you. This is the difference between Christianity and religion. The Bible says God commended or displayed his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 5, 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. How can you know you have eternal life? Because all your sins have been taken away, all your sins are forgiven. If your sin separates you from God, and if all your sins are taken care of, then what's to separate you from God? Nothing. When you trust Christ, all your sins are gone. You can't go to hell because you have no sins to pay for. And all he's asking you to do is believe in him that he did that. For you, he'll give you everlasting life. Our last point today is this, and I want you to turn to John chapter 20. The bodily resurrection of Christ proves Jesus Christ is God and that he was telling the truth. That which is factual. That which is reality. See, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a proven fact. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proves Christianity is true. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proves Jesus was telling the truth. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proves the apostles and disciples were telling the truth. The resurrection of Jesus Christ Proves that the Bible is true. If Jesus had not come back from the dead, none of it would be true. It would all be just fantasy, superstition. But he did, and it's a proven fact. John 20, 24. Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. This was after his resurrection. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails. And put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace unto you. Then he saith unto Thomas, Can't you just see it? He's there now, Jesus shows up, Peace be unto you. Then he saith unto Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hand. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. What settled it? The resurrection. The resurrected Christ. Prove it was the truth. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Folks, that's us. Now watch this. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. We have the record to show you it's true. And if you believe it to be true and you put your faith in Christ, God gives you everlasting life. One more verse today. 1 John chapter 5. Look at the language here in light of our topic today, some truth about truth. 1 John 5 and verse 20. It says this, by the way, 1 John written by the same one who just wrote what I read about these things have been written that you might believe that. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that believing you might have life through his name. 1 John 5, 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Do you want the truth? We have it. It's found in this book. And this book tells us about the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, today needs to be the day you do that. God is offering you heaven, and it's a gift. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated thank you so much and God bless you